0: Hidden Heroes, a podcast series from UNICEF. Stories about the power of women and girls. Of all the songs you've recorded, do you have a favorite?
1: Yes. my God, I have (laughs) many. My favorite, my favorite songs. I have many.
0: This is Farida Luanda. She lives in Western Uganda, and she's a woman of many projects and yes, many songs.
1: First of all, uh, there is uh, that song of girls. I like it so much. Girls, 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 fall. Girls, girls, we can make it. Girls, girls, give it all. We can make it to the fullest. Girls, girls, and uh, another song is. I'm a superwoman. I'm a superwoman. 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 Whenever I hear that song, it keeps me moving and going forward, even if there is a kind of challenge, even if I saw that uh, there is a lot of uh, things broken, but it keeps me moving.
0: There's a reason Farida writes songs about empowering women and girls. About child marriage, young uh, girls' education. And there's a reason singing these songs keeps Farida herself moving forward. I am a mother and a survivor of sexual and gender-based violence, being forced into child marriage, teenage pregnancy. Farida is just 22 years old, but there have already been many painful chapters in her life. Many songs in her album. Sharing them is just the beginning of how she's trying to make sure that girls in her community grow up to be super women.
1: Superwoman, superwoman.
0: I'm Beth Murphy, and this is Hidden Heroes stories about women and girls around the world who are stepping up and saving lives during the COVID 19 pandemic and beyond. Throughout the series, we'll be meeting incredible women and girls who have overcome extraordinary circumstances and are finding solutions to the problems facing them and their communities. This episode, Farida. It's taken Farida a long time to feel like a superwoman. For most of her life, things felt out of her control. Like life had been happening to her. That's true for many women in her community, And it starts with a practice that Farida is fighting to stop. On this particular day, Farida has some help. There's someone knocking on Farida's door. It's a woman Farida doesn't know. But this woman has heard about Farida and thinks Farida can help. There's a 13-year-old girl in trouble. She tells Farida the story. Together, she and Farida head straight there.
1: There is an incidence of child marriage. We, uh, I want to speak to the father and the mother, still to the victim, the daughter of 13 years old, to know what is happening and to find a solution together.
0: When they arrive, the girl's parents are arguing unaware that Farida is just outside, ready to intervene.
1: So let's go in, let's go in, to see what is happening.
0: The girl is just 13 years old, but her father is planning to marry her off. Understandably, she's distraught. The girl is crying in a corner of the room, facing away from her parents and into one of the two bedrooms. Her hands cover her face, which is buried in her knees. She's wearing what she wears to school, a dark blue skirt and a blouse that's covered in red and green flowers. She looks younger than 13. Farida explains to the girl's parents that not only is child marriage illegal in Uganda, but that this will be the end of their daughter's education and her childhood if she ends up getting pregnant. The girl's mother doesn't want that for her daughter. But the girl's father doesn't see another option. He's saying that
1: the daughter has to be married because he needs the boost for his business amidst COVID-19, everything is upside down.
0: The decision to marry off his daughter is about making ends meet. The father works in construction, but all the sites have been closed down because of the pandemic, so he's been out of work for months. If his daughter gets married, he'll collect a bride price from her husband, which the family could really use right now. They have seven mouths to feed, and the house they're living in is literally falling apart.
1: <laughs>
0: Farida says this situation was already common in her community. But the pandemic made it worse. And it isn't just happening here. According to UNICEF, up to 10 million more girls will be at risk of becoming child brides over the next decade as a result of the pandemic. Experts say the pandemic set off a domino effect of irreversible setbacks and lost progress for girls. In Vietnam, in India and Iraq, and lots of other countries— they're tracking higher rates of child marriage tied directly to COVID-19, and to the school closures and crushing poverty linked to it. Farida doesn't want families to choose between going hungry and marrying off their young daughters. And her firsthand experience intervening in these situations has shown her just how effective something as simple as a home visit is. So Farida is knocking on doors, doing what she can to stop child marriages before they happen. Because Farida didn't have a superwoman of her own looking out for her when she was a girl.
1: Whenever I hear that there is a forced marriage, I feel like it's me now they are forcing. I feel like a lot of remembrance at my young age. That yes, I'm knocking on the door, but for me the time I was going to marry, I was forced to marry, there was no one who knocked the door.
0: No one knocked on Farida's door when she was about to be sold into marriage. The man was 35. She was 13. That moment, it makes me to
1: bring tears out. He took away all my affection. He took away all my dignity, my respect, my kind of uh, life, all my life. He took away all my life. Yes, I'm moving. Um, I'm alive But I'm not the real person. I'm not maybe the the real woman whom I have to be maybe if I was given a chance to become big enough to decide for myself as a girl. It gives me courage. It gives me strength to intervene with all my power, with all my force. And I said, whatever comes, but I have to stop this.
0: This intervention was more hopeful than usual.
1: This one was different. The mother was stopping the marriage. The mother was quarreling
0: with the husband badly to stop, to give out her girl. All three of the grown women in the room were forced into marriage as children. Farida, the woman who brought Farida here, and the mother of the girl about to be married off. But instead of resigning her daughter to her own fate, a fate that for a long time has seemed inevitable... She's fighting back.
1: The mother said, even if I married at 13 years, I don't want my daughter. I married 13 years because I was in my own country, my original country, Congo, where there is no rights of women. If I still have chance, my daughter to be educated. I feel like I want to be a proud mom. I want to be a proud mother on this earth.
0: Farida is relaying what this mother said to her. But you can hear in her voice that there's more to it, that this is personal this maternal desire to not only do right by your children but to build something better for them this mother has that chance farida's own mother didn't i saw that
1: pain i said oh my god i hope that if my mother was alive and did the same thing this woman she's doing
0: farida's mother wasn't there to defend her she died when farida was 10 years old which would be traumatic for anyone but the circumstances of her death And what happened in its aftermath changed the course of Farida's life. Farida was born in Goma, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. She lived with her mother and younger brother.
1: I was having a very good life. My mother was a very loving mother, very good parent. Even if we were not with our dad in the same house,
0: Her father had other women in other cities, another wife even.
1: And that's how the life of my mother ended, because she went to look for our dad, and on the way she got killed. She fell into ambush, and then she got killed.
0: She didn't come back. The Democratic Republic of Congo has been in conflict for decades. Armed groups not only fight each other, but also innocent people who have no ties to the army or militias. Between 1998 and 2008, there were a reported 5.4 million civilian deaths in the country. Farida's mother was one of them. Without a dad around, Farida and her younger brother would have to live with relatives, but no one could take them both in.
1: They have to separate us My brother go to one uncle, I go to another uncle. The uncle where I went, the wife of my uncle was not. She didn't accept me to be
0: in their family. And I I noticed that you always call her the wife of your uncle, not your aunt. When I was
1: calling her aunt, she was abusing me and said to me, I cannot be your aunt. You are a
0: caste girl, you are a caste daughter. You bring bad luck to our family. Farida says that one day when she was 13, the wife of her uncle told her to pack her things. She told her she'd be getting married the very next day to a man she'd never met, a man who was nearly three times her age. I was despolate, completely despolate. As chaperones escorted Farida to her husband's home, She pleaded with them to drown her in a nearby lake instead. The first time that you laid eyes on this man who's to be your husband, what did you think?
1: Horrible. I was very deep in a lot of pain. A lot of pain in my heart. I was not
0: having anyone to share with. Farida didn't see a way out. She was alone with this much older man who didn't want her leaving the house or talking to anyone, and she feared for her safety if she did. She was in a bad place. And the circumstances of her life, her mother's murder, the separation from her brother, her forced marriage, started to take a toll.
1: I was like disturbed in my head, like tears coming out because all the time we live. I was crying ever since the age of 10. I
0: was keep on crying. In her desperation, Farida defied her husband. After he left for work one morning, she ventured out. She went east to the town of Sake, and as she was walking around, she stumbled upon a cross. The cross, like it means the church. Farida sat next to the cross, overwhelmed by it all.
1: Feeling, uh, where can I go? Where can I start? Where can I be? Outside the church.
0: Farida broke down, right there by the church. She thought about her family, the future, the innocence she had lost. A nun heard her crying and came outside. She said, Why are you crying? You come with your parents? Farida looked like a lost child not a wife, not married.
1: I was asking myself, can I tell the nun that I'm married? What can I say? Can she believe me? So I was not trusting anyone in my
0: life. The nun was named Sister Mary. She gave Farida some food and asked her to join some other girls inside the church. But Farida worried about getting home before her husband did.
1: He was telling me that if he came back and I'm not around, he will keep on punishing me until to be a real woman. He needs me to be a wife, not a girl. He's moving around in the
0: community. But Farida went back to the church the next day. And every day after that. And pretty soon she told Sister Mary everything.
1: All the pain I went through, the suffering, everything. I'm not educated. I don't know how to write. I don't know how to read. And then I'm um, with the old man. It's not my choice. I feel like maybe if God can take me where my mother is, maybe you can help me to pray to pray to your God and just take me away. So I met my mother. And the sister told me, no, it's not the end of the road. What I'm going to do, I'm going to teach you.
0: Sister Mary, who was American, said she'd teach Farida English.
1: I can't forget the first word she teaches me. It was girl, that I'm a girl. And uh, I was keeping on just like a song, I'm a girl, I'm a girl. That was the first, first,
0: first one. Farida was energized. For the first time in years, she had something to invest in, and someone investing in her. By then I was already changed,
1: calling her mother because I was feeling like I got a mother again. I got
0: my mother again. For the next two years, Farida spent her days in a house of God, and her nights in hell. At home with an abusive husband who started bringing other women into their house. And then when she was 15 years old, Farida gave birth to a son. I got a lot of complications on my body,
1: but no one cares. I have to face it as myself and to see how I overcome.
0: She made it through a difficult labor knowing her body would never totally recover. But in her mind came clarity. The day she gave birth, she made a decision.
1: From that day, I decided myself that I have to change this. One day, one time, I'll change my life.
0: Her newfound teacher and mother figure had offered her hope that she could change her life. But shortly after Farida became a mother herself... Sister Mary delivered some bad news. She was going back to the United States. The conflict in the region was escalating, and it wasn't safe for Sister Mary to stay in Congo. Farida was losing another mother, and her only friend. And that was the truth. I didn't got
1: any person to talk to.
0: It was a dark time for Farida. Once again, she couldn't see a way out. How is it that you were able to free yourself from this man?
1: After his death.
0: After his death. We'll be right back.
1: You know a hidden hero? Call 1347921 hero.
0: That's 13479214376 and tell us about a hidden hero in your life. We're excited to share these stories on social media and maybe even in future episodes to celebrate the hidden heroes in your community. And thanks. Within the span of five years, Farida Luanda had become an orphan, a wife, and a mother, all while she was still a child herself, growing up in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Just two years later, she would have to add something else to that list. Widow. It was in
1: 2016 we get attacked because in Congo, we have those kind of tribalism wars inside the
0: community. Farida's husband was from a tribe that was often targeted. One evening, she heard shouts echoing through their small town, neighbors running from their homes.
1: Because in Congo, when that kind of conflict comes, violence, they coming just killing and putting those homes on fire. Beating people, raping women. So it was
0: like an ambush. Then Farida heard a loud crack. Then another and another. The whole house was shaking and the world felt like it was closing in. The attackers were using a machete to hack down her door. And then, in what seemed to be both an instant and an eternity, they were inside her home. She was steps away from them. In the bedroom with her son, her husband was alone in the sitting room, directly in front of them.
1: I just heard my son. I heard him saying, "Oh, like someone who was shouting, they are asking for forgiveness to spare his life, spare my life, spare his life." I just got my son. I throw him outside.
0: Farida crawled out the window after him.
1: And then I get my son, we just run. If I die, I die when I'm trying to run.
0: Eventually, Farida reached a main road, where people were packing into large trucks. With no other options in sight, Farida got into one of the trucks with her son, unsure of whether they were about to be driven to their deaths or whisked away to safety.
1: That is how I saved my life. I saved my life and my son.
0: Where they ended up was the Ugandan border. Farida made her way first to Kampala and then to the reception center of a place that would become her new home, the Chakatu Refugee Settlement. It's a community in western Uganda of more than 120,000 refugees from neighboring countries. Farida and her son were safe for now, but in order to get official refugee status, she would have to go through an interview process. So there she was at the settlement's office, in the middle of her interview when she heard someone say, Farid.
1: And when someone called Farid, I was no, already know that there is no one who knows me, this side. No one who knows me. So
0: when someone called me, I just turned. She saw a tall boy she didn't recognize, but there was something over his eye. There is kind of a scar. A scar near his eye. A scar that looked familiar to Farida. And as the tall boy came closer, he saw a familiar scar on Farida's face.
1: I got it where just as young children we are playing and uh, uh, holding each other, playing, and I fall I fall down uh, on the stone. So he recognized me from that scar when he saw that scar here at my face.
0: The man in the settlement office... It was her brother.
1: I said, Bahati, are you the one? And said, I'm the one. Farid, and then we started being just... uh, (laughs) I can't forget that day, because I was... (sighs) (sighs) I just cried tears of happiness. To meet someone I know, and to meet someone who was thinking that he's dead. And even him, started just crying. What are
0: you doing here? Then he saw Farida's son.
1: Whose son is that one? He's mine. He said, what? You have a son?
0: It had been seven years since they'd been separated, seven years of thinking they'd never see each other again. But here they were, hundreds of kilometers away from home, among tens of thousands of strangers, standing in front of each other. After all Farida had been through up to this point, this felt like a miracle.
1: And it's the best miracle I've ever got in my life.
0: Landing in the refugee camp offered Farida a fresh start in many ways. It did for Danny, too, which is what her brother goes by now. But he also knew, having been there for four years at that point, that the settlement had its own troubles.
1: And I asked him, he told me, you know, the place is not easy. It's very difficult and a lot of challenges here.
0: Chaka 2 refugee settlement offers shelter and food, even access to education, farmland, and health care. But as the settlement's population has grown over its 15 years, demand has not been met by funding needs. Rations and space have tightened, and poverty and disease have spread. Farida was especially disheartened to discover another of Chaka's challenges. I saw that the same issue which
1: was happening in our own country is the same issue happening in the refugee settlement,
0: like child marriages, exchanging girls into, uh, with money. Farida says some of these girls would then give birth at a young age, even die in childbirth. I said, no, we have to stop this. We have to do something.
1: And the only thing we thought of with my brother is to open up the studio.
0: It so happens that during the years Farida and her brother were separated, Danny got a cleaning job at a recording studio in Congo. And his boss showed him the ropes of music production.
1: production. <laughs>
0: So, Farida and Danny hatched a plan. They'd open a recording studio in the refugee settlement. And they tried to reach people with messages of hope and empowerment all through music. It was perfect, except, they didn't have any money. So, they got construction jobs. Digging.
1: We dug, we dug, we dug. When you finished, they gave you 20,000 Uganda shillings.
0: 20,000 Ugandan shillings for a day's work is about $5. So there would have to be a lot more where that came from.
1: We dug, 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 until they had
0: saved up about 200,000 Ugandan shillings, $50. Not a lot, but enough to get started. They turned blankets into soundproofing. They borrowed a computer from the church, found a set of broken speakers and an old microphone.
1: We fixed it, and then the speakers worked. That is how we started recording and everything to be like uh, uh, the studio. And then uh, was those first songs, which he recorded, and everyone liked those songs. And that is how we started becoming known.
0: The studio opened in 2017, and one of the first songs Farida and Danny recorded was a kind of anthem for the refugee settlement, Chaka 2.
1: That song is the best song always all years. Cha 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 Chaka, Chaka nyumbani, Chaka tu. So it means that uh, Chaka is our home. Chaka is ours. Cha 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 Chaka.
0: The song is meant to bring the community together. People from different countries, different tribes. People who have been in the camp for a decade. People who have just arrived.
1: We bring that love. That love that as you love your home, as you love your family, let us love Chaka as we love our homes.
0: Along with the studio, Farida and Danny also started a youth group. They call it Division. And their vision is to transform young people's lives with dance, theater, and music. Along the way, they want to raise awareness about challenges in the community and instill values that will help combat those challenges for future generations. Things like the importance of an education, how to advocate for women and girls, even how to practice safe sex.
1: I like the song they sang about HIV, AIDS, people to go and test because we, in the refugee community, we have a challenge of those kind of STI, transmitted diseases, people, they don't care how to take care of themselves, they just don't care about their lives. Don't give up, just take your drugs, life goes on, come on, come on, come juniors, we fight so each love- and
0: Lately, though, the health concern top of mind in Chaka is the same one that's been top of mind just about everywhere. But why say it when you can rap it? I'm Alpha Tanya, baby! Introducing Farida's seven year old son, Alpha Tanya, with his very own song about the coronavirus.
1: Distance.
0: Alpha Tanya is talking here about the importance of washing hands, wearing masks, and maintaining social distance. But before Farida could get people in the settlement to do any of that, she first had to get them to take the virus seriously. There were a lot of myths about the disease.
1: In the community, refugees, they said no COVID is killing whites. For us, we are refugees, we will not die. COVID is for rich people, so people, they don't have any information. Most of the refugees are not even washing hands,
0: And getting them to do so properly was a process.
1: Some people, they are washing hands, but they are using one bucket. They're not boiling water, mm -mm, which didn't
0: make us happy. So Farida designed something called a tippy-tap station, a plastic container full of clean water hung from a rope tied between two trees. With the help of the youth group, she's already distributed a thousand of these makeshift hand-washing stations to families. And she's taught children in the settlement how to make their own tippy taps.
1: The tippy taps, they liked the tippy taps because even them, they can make it. They can do it themselves.
0: Farida also teaches people how to make their own soap and masks. Most of which happens here.
1: This is a training center. We open at 8 a.m. We close at uh, 5 p.m. We open for six days a week. Right now is uh, 10 o'clock, and there are 17 girls and uh, 12 women here at the center.
0: Farida and her team built the training center just within the last year. It's a modest structure made of wood, dried leaves, and mud, like most of the buildings around it. She teaches sewing, tailoring, skills that her students can eventually use to support their families.
1: And uh, Where I'm stopping now, uh, there is a youth, a young girl. This girl also, she's making masks.
0: The girl is making masks. Farida says that before this girl came to the training center, she was about to be sold into marriage.
1: But when we talked to the parents, this, uh, this girl, they accepted, and they gave us this girl, we trained her, and now she's a trainer.
0: Each of the women and girls at these sewing machines makes 100 masks a day. There are seven sewing machines, so that's 700 masks today alone. Every month, they make about 10,000 masks within these precarious walls. The masks are all about keeping the community safe. But the skills these women and girls are learning at the center are all about keeping them safe. Safe from abuse at home. Safe from poverty. And hopefully... Safe from the dangers and consequences of child marriage. We're back at the home of the couple arguing over whether to sell their 13 year old daughter into marriage. The girl's father says the family needs the money. The girl's mother is threatening to leave and take their daughter with her. Farida asks the daughter one question. What is your
1: dream?
0: The girl says that all she wants is to be able to continue her education. The coronavirus has stalled that dream. But Farida knows from experience that a marriage would derail it completely. Farida has a proposal she asks the father to allow his wife and daughter to start coming to the training center. She'll teach them skills that they can use to make money for the family, like she has for so many others. I want them to look directly into
1: their daughter's eyes. When you look directly to your daughter's eyes, is that the decision you're making? Is it right? Is it right from your heart. Why can't you allow your wife and your daughter to come to my center and we start training them skills? Because life skills, even if a girl will go back to school, will be with her skills in her. But you are giving out your treasure, your daughter, your love. We need parents who show us love. Eventually,
0: the father agrees and the mother tells farida she'll be at the training center at 8am the very next morning
1: in fact outside our center i planted trees we planted mango trees yes i i trained uh, i'm training other women and girls to protect our environment
0: farida is teaching the women of the chakachu refugee settlement everything she knows anything she can pass along that could fortify their futures And as more of her trainees have become the trainers, the center's potential for impact grows.
1: Even if the place is still small, but in future, I believe we can make it big.
0: Farida keeps moving. She is a superwoman after all. But there's another term that's maybe even more fitting. Changemaker. Farida's the kind of person who sees a problem and dares to say, I can fix that. She doesn't just take opportunities to improve her community. She creates them. That's why, in 2019, the UN appointed Farida to its Global Youth Advisory Council as the Refugee Representative for Uganda. She traveled to Geneva, Switzerland to speak in front of hundreds of other changemakers, which helped her raise awareness about the issues in Chakotu on a global scale.
1: I'm blessed because I'm inspiring my community, the refugee community, people who are hearing my experience and then they hear now another version. Farida was in Geneva. What? So it's like adding more impact to the community and even my community to be known.
0: Again, Farida is only 22 years old. There is so much still ahead for her. More people to train, more songs to sing, more change to make. And yet, there's so much about her life today that she never could have imagined. Escaping her abusive marriage, ending up in Uganda, opening a training center, and even a recording studio with her long-lost brother, she finds in her heart the little girl she was before her mom died the little girl who had big dreams, who has become the young woman making them come true. As she works to give her son the education she never had, Farida is reminded of one more big change she hopes to make someday. I still have the
1: biggest dream, and my biggest dream is to go back to school to become a lawyer in order to support my community so that in the refugee community they know the rights of girls and women. That is my passion.
0: Hidden Heroes is a UNICEF podcast series about women's and girls' empowerment, about their stories, activism, and solutions. It's produced by Principal Pictures, with funding support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and reported by me, Beth Murphy. Written and produced by Amory Sievertson, Sadie Zook is the associate producer. Mix and sound design by Mike Moschetto, editing by Erica Lance, additional music by Blue Dot Sessions. For more information on the series, including pictures of the training center, the tippy-tap stations, and the recording studio, go to unicef.org. And please, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for joining us.
1: Do you know a hidden hero? Call one 921 hero That's
0: 1-347-921-4376. And tell us about a hidden hero in your life. We're excited to share these stories on social media, and maybe even in future episodes, to celebrate the hidden heroes in your community. And thanks.